and unlawful marriage from the nearness of relationship, but made much more so by the indecent haste with which it was concluded, and the unkingly character of the man whom she had chosen to be the partner of her throne and bed. This it was which more than the loss of ten kingdoms dashed the spirits and brought a cloud over the mind of this honourable young prince. In vain was all that his mother Gertrude or the king could do to contrive to divert him. He still appeared in court in a suit of deep black as mourning for the king his father's death, which mode of dress he had never laid aside, not even in compliment to his mother upon the day she was married, nor could he be brought to join in any of the festivities or rejoicings of that, as appeared to him disgraceful day. What mostly troubled him was an uncertainty about the manner of his father's death, it was given out by Claudius that a serpent had stung him, but young Hamlet had shrewd suspicions that Claudius himself was the serpent, in plain English, that he had murdered him for his crown, and that the serpent who stung his father did now sit on the throne. How far he was right in this conjecture, and what he ought to think of his mother, how far she was privy to this murder, whether by her consent or knowledge or without, it came to pass, were the doubts which continually harassed and distracted him. A rumour had reached the ear of young Hamlet that an apparition exactly resembling the dead king his father had been seen by the soldiers on the watch, on the platform before the palace at midnight, for two or three nights successively. The figure came constantly clad in the same suit of armour from head to foot which the dead king was known to have worn. And they who saw it, Hamlet's bosom friend Horatio was one, agreed in their testimony as to the time and manner of its appearance, that it came just as the clock struck twelve, that it looked pale, with a face more of sorrow than of anger, and its beard was grisly, and the colour a sable silvered, as they had seen it in his lifetime, that it made no answer when they spoke to it, yet once they thought it lifted up its head and addressed itself to motion, as if it were about to speak. But in that moment the morning cock crew, and it shrank in haste away, and vanished out of their sight. The young prince, strangely amazed at their relation, which was too consistent and agreeing with itself to disbelieve, concluded that it was his father's ghost, which they had seen, and determined to take his watch with the soldiers that night, that he might have the chance of seeing it for he reasoned with himself that such an apparition did not come from nothing, but that the ghost had something to impart, and though it had been silent hitherto, yet it would speak to him, and he waited with impatience for the coming of night. 
When night came, he took his stand with Horatio and Marcellus, one of the guard, upon the platform, where this apparition was accustomed to walk, and it being a cold night and the air unusually raw and nipping, Hamlet and Horatio and their companion fell into some talk about the coldness of the night, which was suddenly broken off by Horatio announcing that the ghost was coming. At the sight of his father's spirit, Hamlet was struck with a sudden surprise and fear. He at first called upon the angels and heavenly ministers to defend them, for he knew not whether it were a good spirit or bad, whether it came for good or evil, but he gradually assumed more courage, and his father, as it seemed to him, looked upon him so piteously and as it were desiring to have conversation with him, and did in all respects appear so like himself as when...